0: Hi, this is Christy Bates of Oxford, Mississippi, welcoming you to this episode of the Deep South Dharma podcast. In a few moments, we'll have our talk, which is entitled Treating the Mind as a Friend. First, though, I am so excited to say that the registration link for our retreat in March with Flowering Lotus Meditation is available now. If you will go to floweringlotusmeditation.org, you'll find the details of the retreat and you can register with your initial $50 registration fee. One of the lovely things about Flowering Lotus is that the retreats are donation-based beyond that initial fee. So take a look, um, see if you're interested in joining us and register as soon as you can to give us an idea of the numbers. I believe we have a limit of something like 20 people um, able to stay on site with us. And so um, it's still if, if we get full and we have more people that want to come, there are places in town where you'd be able to stay. But if you want to be with us on site, you'll need to go ahead and get those registrations in. The retreat itself will be taking place at um, in a homestead education center in Starkville, Mississippi, if you're not familiar with that, the flowering lotus description will get you there so you can check that out. If you are um, in Nashville, as I know some of you are, um, you can take the little puddle jumper flight through contour airlines to tupelo mississippi that flight only takes like 35 minutes and it can be very inexpensive if you get it nice and early or sometimes if you catch it last minute and then you can just rent a car to come to starkville maybe an hour away so all of that being said again check out the retreat at floweringlotusmeditation.org. The retreat is called In Harmony with Reality, and um, I'm very excited about seeing you there. And now we'll shift back to this week's topic, which is Treating the Mind as a Friend. The talk this week is about treating the mind as a friend and helping your mind become a good friend to you. So we mean the mind, we're talking about that facet that engages in thinking. Typically, when people come into mindfulness practice or meditation groups, they're not focused on improving their relationship to the mind. What they're initially looking for is a way to get some sort of control over the mind or just to make it shut up on command. A very workable metaphor for a more skillful means of relating to our thinking is in terms of being a good friend to your own mind and in so doing, training the mind to be a better friend to you. This means not expecting the thinking mind to go away or wanting it to go away, not seeking control over it, but maybe beginning with tasking ourselves with being a good host for this capacity to think. What that gives us right off the bat is disidentification with the thinking mind, which is absolutely necessary if you're going to befriend and train it. So you can't be fused with something and be a good host for it at the same time, is what I'm saying. So having a sense of, I want to be a good host, a good friend, Deconditions that fusing between the authentic self and the discursive, conditioned thinking that can make life so painful. It also moves us out of that space of feeling victimized by our own minds. When we recognize we have some agency here, we are not, in fact, being dragged around by the mind. The problem is usually that we are treating the mind like a trash bag that we drag around with us everywhere we go constantly filling it with more trash and then complaining that it smells. So if we're going to be a good host, what are some of the things we do? Well, when we're hosting, we seek to provide a safe, reasonably comfortable accommodations, healthy food and water, freedom from disturbance of sleep when possible. So before we look to the mind to give us peace, we have to look at whether we're providing the conditions for that. Undertaking the five precepts, which we spoke of a bit last week, is part of how we provide those conditions of safety. That practice helps us stop adding more trash, to stop adding guilt, shame, regret, resentment, criticism to that bag of thinking we carry around. We stop treating the mind like a trash bag to recognize that this business of having a mind that can think is actually a gift when we know how to treat it right. And then if we're going to go beyond being a good host to being a good friend, there are some other attitudes and actions that we take. I'm just going to kind of go down a short list of things that we may do sort of naturally if we have a sense of being a decent friend, just to see how these apply to the way that we might treat the mind in hopes that instead of feeling sort of tortured or terrorized by thinking that we may actually Come to find it supportive. One thing we do if we hope to make a friend in the first place is that we take an attitude of attentiveness and curiosity into our interactions with that person. Now, we may be so much in the habit of fusing with the thinking mind, in which case we're taking it too seriously or always trying to run away from it, that We've never really examined what's going on there that's creating stress and suffering. Examining what's going on doesn't mean staying lost in it. It means coming home to ourselves to get a bit of space from the thinking and just really see what's happening. For many people, this means coming home to the body in a formal sitting or walking meditation practice. Just getting anchored in our awareness of some aspect of the bodily experience. At other times, or for others of us, it may be that writing or drawing the thoughts that are clanging around in there is useful. Or talking with other people who can help us hear what the thinking mind is saying. But however we do it, we pay attention and we do that with bringing the intention to be curious, to learn something. Um, to to learn something about what the thinking mind thinks and what its patterns are like. So I want to caution you, I'm not talking about why it thinks that way, but the what. The answer to the why, or the short answer to the why is conditioning. It may be family conditioning, cultural conditioning, biological conditioning, whatever. But for our purposes right now, We need to recognize that conditioning is the issue. And so that's the why. But when we bring interest in knowing what's going on, we're just getting familiar and bringing this attitude of um, friendly curiosity. So closely related to this attitude of curiosity is treating the mind with dignity, particularly when we start wanting to make changes in how we allow the mind to talk to us, how we allow the mind to lead us. And when we, in fact, make that shift to being the leader, you know, when we're training children or pets to do certain things we wish for, most of us know that 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 training goes much more smoothly when it occurs in a field of respect and care. Working with the mind, with the thinking mind, is not different in this respect. We need to be willing to practice kindness along with the repetition and firmness required to make changes. So it may sound like I've left the realm of friendship when I'm talking about all this training, but the fact is that as we are befriending other people and they're befriending us, we are training them what they can expect from us and we are training them in how to treat us. That training isn't always explicit. We may just sort of learn from experience that one friend is easier to reach by text, while another likes to talk on phones in the old-fashioned way. In working with the mind, we similarly go through a trial and error process about what works best for training the particular thinking mind that you have inherited in this moment. So when I say inherited, I mean inherited biologically, inherited by your childhood training, but also inherited by the habits of mind that you've been engaging in up until two seconds ago. So this you that is existing right this moment, dealing with this mind, what is the mind that you have inherited? So the Buddha taught that cultivating mindfulness and awareness can happen when sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. And if you're gonna become a good friend of the mind, if you're gonna become a kind and effective trainer for the mind, you're going to need to know how your mind and when your mind is most responsive. Um, I've met many people over the years who find a great deal of refuge in sitting practice. But there have been a few that found walking meditation to be their main daily practice. Um, and that doesn't necessarily fit, you know, our magazine cover picture of what mindfulness practice is supposed to look like. But, um, but folks that find walking meditation to be their main daily practice often are very relieved um, to see the results that they can get. Other people find they can best learn to be aware of their thoughts and the thinking process by writing down those thoughts. Um, And all of these kinds of practices provide opportunity for intervening on unhelpful thoughts. So that refers to this fact. Just as there will be times when we give our friends an explicit training, when we say aloud, well, this works for me, or... or. Or the other, or the opposite, uh, an example might be, you know, I don't need you to fix me. I just need somebody to listen right now if you're willing. There's also times when we see in real time that what the thinking mind is doing it's not, is not helpful. And it's really powerful when we realize that we can give it that feedback. We can literally relate to the mind like we would anybody else that's trying to be a friend to us and to say, you know, that's not helpful. So one of the most powerful moments for me um, in learning about this came, it, it was after I had been involved in meditation for a very long time and specifically with regular mindfulness practice for quite a while, several years. Um, I was practicing in a retreat in uh, near the end and suddenly became aware that <laughs> that I wasn't actually meditating. I, I was sitting there thinking I was meditating and all of a sudden I realized I wasn't meditating. I was actually fused with the thinking mind and the thinking mind was actually planning for a conversation that I was going to need to have the next day after the end of the retreat. and And this time, for the first time, Instead of feeling sort of startled and jerking my attention back to the present, which that had been my tendency, it was almost like I would jerk my attention back to the present as if I was afraid I was going to be in trouble. Um, I found myself in this situation much less reactive. Um, In fact, I didn't have that startled response. And what arose was for me to say to the mind, you know, oh, thanks so much, but we don't really need to do that yet. We can just be here for right now. And then I kind of I just felt really moved by that because it was the first time that I had experienced being able to intervene on the thinking mind before it, you know, took me down a trail. that you know, at that moment, it was just not useful. Letting the thinking mind go down unuseful trails very long soon becomes painful. So I was grateful that before anything became painful, I I was able to intervene on what was doing. Uh, what it was doing, but also to be able to feel that I was intervening in a way that was not harsh or punishing um, or, and it wasn't, wasn't even blaming or criticizing. It was just, no thanks, not right now. And it was almost that same kind of tone that if I was saying to a waiter or, you know, a friend trying to serve me something I wasn't hungry for to say, you know, not, not yet, not right now, but thank you. And to be able to have both that kindness um, and clarity, but also to do that, you know, honestly, really increased my gratitude for the practice and also increased my sense of confidence in being able to work with different things as they arise in the mind, knowing that I could have that sort of relationship where you know, instead of my response stirring up more reactivity in the mind, that my response could actually help calm things, gave me a lot of confidence. And even in telling the mind no thanks, I found that I really did appreciate in that moment that it was trying to help. So this leads me to another of the friendly attitudes, um, which is it's useful to appreciate the fact uh, that just like people generally are doing the best that they can do at any given time, um, the mind, the thinking mind, is doing as best as it can do in its current condition. So that doesn't mean it's always doing the best that it knows how to do, but it may be the best it can do in its current condition. The current condition of our thinking minds, um, you know, I mentioned all these other conditioning factors of family or history or habit, but also the condition of our thinking minds can be heavily influenced by things like, did I get enough sleep last night? Right. Have I been free from intoxicants or overconsumption? Have I fed this mind appropriately nurtured it with the support of good people and situations? Um, so, and of course there may be karmic conditioning that, you know, we're not aware of. And certainly we can't control all of it right this second. So When we find that the mind is behaving or spinning in ways that are unhelpful, you know, we don't have to let it keep spinning, but we also don't need to get caught up in yelling at it or blaming it for doing what minds do under certain conditions, right? Even when the mind starts name-calling you or yelling at you, it's useful to take a firm but compassionate response, Right, Because we know that when the mind is turning on you in some way, it's really like having an overtired four-year-old or an overtired eight-year-old who's imploding after his first slumber party. You don't have to take your thinking mind any more personally than you do an overtired child. Um, and for that matter, by the way, sometimes when the thinking mind is doing poorly, that is coming from the place of some overtired or wounded child in you, so all the more reason not to take it personally and to respond with care. This attitude of remembering that the mind is doing the best it can for the moment, right, helps us think in terms, helps us shift our thinking in terms of what might this mind need to be able to function better? Right? Does the mind need rest? I mean, it's sort of the classic, you know, in recovery rooms, people talk about halt. Halt when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Right? This is a a, a common, simple way of doing that. Um, and seeing, okay, are any of these basic needs going un, unmet? And, and what can I do to meet those needs right now? Right. So all of those kinds of uh, attitudes and tools allow us to respond from this differentiated place of stability and understanding and care rather than that fused place that causes so much fear and shame. The result of all this effort is um, all this effort to be a good friend to the thinking mind. The result of that is that over time, you do start to see how the mind is more and more able to be a good friend to you. So then instead of the power of thought showing up so much in situations where it's not useful, um, it's it's sort of there, it's available when we need it. We may find that you know the mind starts literally bringing something to mind at the time that we need it instead of, prematurely you know way before it's time to worry about it or bringing situations up and rehashing them over and over, we may find that more often the mind brings something up just at the time we, we need it. No more, no less than that. Um, and we also find that as we treat the mind well and care for this capacity to think, that over time that capacity grows more creative, more intelligent and more supportive. So I want to close these reflections uh, to cap them off with um, one of the Buddhist sayings or a version of one of the Buddhist sayings from the Dhammapada that I find really inspiring. It is good to train the mind. It is good to train the mind. Not one's father, nor one's mother, nor any other relative can do as much for you as your own well-trained mind can do. Let's just give ourselves a minute to let that settle.